0: You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. How many of you excited to be at church today? Amen. Amen. On our first service, uh, we gave a big shout out and honor to um, the mother uh, of the house. We call her the mother of the house um, because she beats the records of everyone. She has uh, 16 children, 73 grandchildren, and 33 great-grandchildren. And so there's a picture of me and the, the grandma And when you get that many children that's how you, how sour your face always becomes and if you see my grandma smiling there's something something is not right my pe- the slavic people don't smile so uh, <laughs> but she's happy it's just her face is not notified that's about all she's very very happy so we congratulate all the mothers uh, we thank you for doing what you do and, uh, and if you want to have 16 children, have my grandma <laughs> pray for you. <laughs> Our second Sunday of each month is the breakthrough service. Starting next month, we are going to make a slight adjustment to that service as well because we want to bring the kids from the kids zone for a few minutes here on the stage to do a little performance slash preparation for a future that God has for them. Wouldn't believe that kids' ministry is to take your kids from you so you can relax. Kids' ministry is to prepare the kids in the little time that we have for the purposes of God for their life. Kids' ministry is not babysitting. Kids' ministry is a training ground for what God has for them. We believe in a God who is generational. The Bible says your seed will possess the gates of your enemy. The Bible doesn't say your seed is going to go do drugs and steal and rob and be in county jail. Your seed will possess the gates of your enemy. Our God is a God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. With each generation, God's blessings increased. Abraham was a great father, but he, his son is the one that had more kids. His grandson is the one that had even more kids. And we see that with each generation, God's favor and God's glory increase. I don't believe that we are the ceiling. I believe we're the floor. We are not insecure. We're not afraid about the next generation. We are excited for the next generation. Yeah. And you may say excuse me, you may say well you guys are still young and so the goal is not to wait until we become of age until we become older to begin to invest in the next generation the goal is right now if they can walk if they can talk they can preach they can pray and God can use them and so the second Sunday of each month is praying for the families and also praying for our finances And so God has a plan. When John the Baptist was at the peak of revival, I mean this was the the cream of the crop. Things were just really really good. Things were really good for John and he was very young. It was a good time to begin to plan of the future and John was saying this, he who comes after me is greater than me. And Jesus comes and Jesus blows the roof off the building. I mean Jesus breaks the records better than John. But he says, my disciples will do greater works than I do. Wow. See, God's kingdom is always from glory to glory. Somebody shout amen. Therefore, one of the reasons we love this church is not just because of we get fed, but because there is a place for our children. I'm not just talking about a place for our children when we are here at church, but there's a place for our children 10 years down the road. That's why I challenge you, if you have children, and the music runs in your family put your kids in music programs when they are 10 and 11 so when they become 12 they can start writing songs so they can be on their next TP so they can be worshiping God with us if your kid is talking a lot don't shut him down give him some sermons let him improve his speaking so he can be a preacher for the glory of God come on somebody amen and so God has a plan for the next generation and we have a strategy for the next generation. We don't want to pray them out of jails. We don't want to pray them out. We don't want to pray them into doing jail ministry, into helping the homeless, into breaking the chains of their generation. Somebody shout amen if you are with me. Come on somebody. Never come alone to church. Always bring your kiddos and don't make your kids decide whether you go to church or not. My family, there was no option. My mom didn't wake up in the morning and said, do you want to go to church? It was hell or church? Which one do you want? It was more of like spanking or church or both. And so, and, and it was, and I see sometimes young parents, they're like, well, my kids aren't feeling well. Really? Because the moment you tell ice cream, their feelings will change. So you be, be, be a parent that, that brings your kids to church and, and live your life in such a way where you see your children being a part of a next move of God that's going to be greater than what we do in Jesus name come on if you believe it one more time one more time hallelujah approaching the topic of breakthrough we have to understand this principle that because people come each week new people and people are watching us and there are people who come from different backgrounds we have to understand that you can't have faith In the place where you are not sure of the will of God, meaning faith, only happens when you are sure of the will of God. For example, if you are sure that God wants to forgive you of your sin, you pray for that. If you are sure that God wants to heal you, you pray for that. If you are sure that God wants to give you a husband or get rid of one, I'm just kidding about the second one. (laughs) Then you pray for that. When it comes to finances, when it comes to breakthrough in our career, many people are not sure they're confused when it comes to that because they have a god called El Chipo instead of El Shaddai the god of the bible is jehovah jireh most people believed in a god that was not revealed in the bible but created by their tradition our god is not christian Did you know when he introduced himself to Moses, he didn't say, I am Christian. He said, I am. God is Adonai. God is bigger than us. God is bigger than any organization, any theory you have. God is so much bigger and God is God. It is his will that his creation, people he created, resemble him in all his fullness and his glory. That they are creative their work. The Bible says He created us for good works in Christ Jesus. God doesn't want you to be just a taker, just a receiver in Christ Jesus but create good works meaning God wants you to be good at what you do. He wants to bless the work of your hands. He doesn't want you to be on the bottom list in your company when it comes to cutting people off and like, yeah, let's get rid of him. Why? He's he's, he's pointless. He he or she brings nothing to the company. God wants you to be like Joseph. If they put you in prison, you run it. If they make you a slave, you run it. If they make you a prime minister, you run it. Whatever you put, whatever they put you, whatever title they give you, whatever title they take from you, you always float on the top because you bring contribution to whatever environment you put you in. God's God's favor is not determined by what name and title is before your name. God's favor on your life is what happens when you come to that environment and into that place. You can come as a janitor, you can come as a CEO, as a manager, you can be flipping burgers. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is what contribution you leave in that place where you do what you do. And that is God's favor upon our life. Because if you get a title but you don't have influence in that place, your title is like putting a Mercedes emblem on the motorcycle. It doesn't belong to you. But if they take your title, but you have the grace of God on your life, it's a matter of time. Another company is going to notice it and give you a job. For most of us. God wants to prosper us. We have to understand that God created men out of dirt and women out of men. There is a secret there. The secret is this. Men will always be drawn to work. Women will be drawn to men when you get married who said hallelujah when you get married sometimes you see in marriage that a man idolizes his job and the woman idolizes the fact the man does not spend time with her that's what causes her a lot of pain but we have to understand that god created a man out of a dirt he would always want to do something with dirt Because a job to a man is more than just paying bills. there's a part of him that helps him to be a man when he's doing something, when he is accomplishing something. he might not be the richest man but he wants to be effective. even if you pay all the bills and, and you he still needs to do something and a woman you have to understand that and the devil uses that against a man because when the devil makes a man poor, a man feels shame. it feels useless. Because God created him in his image and he because he came out of a the dirt, there's always that connection to work. And because of sin, I want you to know what God cursed. He cursed the ground. Meaning because of sin, the curse always comes upon our effectiveness in what we do. The ground was still there. it just there was no fruit. There was no success. There was no things that men really desired to see. And the woman of course what was cursed is the childbearing the, the whole period the cycle thing and there's a few other emotions i think it's a few other times but <laughs> but all, all of us have have stuff to deal with all of us have demons to fight against the point being is the poverty is used by the devil to bring shame into our life not all poverty is the same this week i was asked by local pastors whom i respect and honor I honor all the churches in town and they asked uh, do you believe in prosperity gospel? And I said I, what, what is that? I said you know my English is a second language and been here not very long. What is prosperity gospel? I said is that in the Bible? I'm like where did you come up with a definition to that? and they explained to me what that is and everything and uh, I'm gonna tell you and I told them what I believe and I'm gonna tell you what I believe. Not all poverty is the same. Yes. The first type of poverty is a curse. It's an attack satan derives from making people poor the second type of poverty is an affliction it's not when the satan attacks you it's when you go through stuff in life temporarily and the bible says a righteous man has many afflictions but the lord delivers him out of them all and then there's a third poverty that's an act of love in a sense you actually become poor as a for helping somebody or helping the world. Now that is a good poverty, right? Jesus became poor so that people will be enriched, right? There are people in the world today who give all of their money away and they become poor. That is a good poverty but there is a trick. You can't be third type of poverty unless you have money. It's different that money is taken from you You're giving that away and you become poor and people confuse that. So that poverty is good but that poverty is only possible if you were not poor in the first place. So God wants to prosper you. And there is a noble idea about poverty when you have money, when you have resources and you give and you bless. You help others and because of that you become poorer. But in reality you're only poorer temporarily here. You're not poorer in heaven and very soon the money that you give soon will come back because God sees that he trusts you with resources. They don't stay in you but they go through you. God will always increase the amount of money that are coming into your life. Can somebody say Amen. Therefore Therefore the poverty that's an attack of the devil we're gonna come against the poverty That's an affliction of life. We are gonna stand against it And we will welcome living a life of generosity. We will welcome living a life of extravagant generosity Remember anything that leaves your hand never leaves your life. When you move money from checkings to savings, you didn't lose the money. You only lost them in your checkings, but they're still in your savings. When I give my tithe, when I sacrifice, when I help the poor, my money leaves my account at Giza and go to my account in heaven. I'm still the same guy. Actually, it gets multiplied there. And God says, let's bring more money to Giza. Why? Because he knows how to steward it really well. You don't lose your money when you give to the kingdom of God, to the poor, to the orphans, or to the widows. Can somebody say Amen. Amen. It is God's will for us to break the curse of poverty and it is God's will for us to live in breakthrough. I am surprised with the fact that Jesus who we see as some people see oh he was he was this he was that he was really against he spoke against money didn't speak against money He spoke against trusting in money and it seemed like Jesus was the component for um, against people enjoying things in life and but let, it, let this mess with you, that his first miracle was not creating a healing or deliverance. He created a luxury, not a necessity. Water is a necessity. Wine, you shouldn't be drinking in the first place but in that culture it's a luxury. And he created that wine not for healing purposes, it was for a party. Now the Jesus that many people subscribe to in our room and people who are listening is not the Jesus who creates wine out of water, it's the Jesus who creates water out of wine means He comes to take. He wants you to be living such a simple life that all of your desires for nice things you need to crucify them and sacrifice them because that is not God's will. If there are people dying in Africa, in Asia, how dare you over there want to upgrade your shoes, buy new clothes, buy a new purse when there are people who don't even have food to eat. Well tell that to Jesus when He was creating a miracle at the wedding. Jesus why are you making wine where there are people Dying out of a thirst in Africa. Why are you wasting your power creating miracles for people when there are people who don't have anything to eat? See, Jesus is not just to meet the necessities. He also creates luxuries. The Bible clearly states if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. Now, everybody in here has a different definition of the good of the land. For some people the good of the land is Toyota Camry. That to you, that's it. If you get a Camry and it's paid off, you're going to be thanking God for the rest of your life. There are some people here today, your good of the land is a Mercedes and if you get a Mercedes, you think that's it. Well, you really need another good of the land called paying for the Mercedes, (laughs) the oil change and everything. For some people the good of the land is to be able to have a million dollars and give that million dollars away. And so the problem is we come to God and each one of us has a different size of a spoon. And so we tend to judge anybody whose spoon is bigger than mine, we say prosperity gospel. He has a different spoon than yours. What makes him wrong? Because if you go to Tanzania where a mother there is only hoping for water and rice, she look at you and says you prosperity gospel. It's all the size of the spoon because of how we grew up, of how we're exposed to. And I want to tell you something, God is big enough to fill your spoon, my spoon, people in Africa spoon, people in the White House spoon, people in a Hollywood spoon, people in the homeless shelter spoon. And God says whichever spoon you come in, if you're willing and obedient, I want to work with you and I want to fill the spoon for my glory and to show my goodness in your life and to show my glory in your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. We believe that people who grew up not owning houses will own a house. It is our desire that people will not come to church on a bicycle unless they really want to get an exercise but they can drive a car. It is our desire that people in our church who want to get married that God will grant their dreams and desires and they will get married and have a blessing in that marriage. It is our desire that the kids in your house are not going to be a pain in your butt but they will be a blessing to your life. It is the dream of God so that your business is not going to just be your busyness, but it will become a source of income, give you more free time to do the things that you really love. We believe in that. We believe there are people sitting in this room that are going to be serving in the government. There are people sitting in this room that you will have your own clinics. We believe there are people sitting in this room that you will write million dollars of checks that will build orphanages and will build rehab centers and build church campuses. We believe in that because God can trust us with money. It's not going to make us proud. It's going to make us more generous. How do we know that? Because we're generous with what we have now. And because of that we will be more generous. Money will only magnify what you have. If you have nothing and you're poor like in your mind and you're greedy, if you're given a lot of money, you don't become greedy. It just becomes evident that you were greedy and just nobody knew about it until you because you didn't have money. Yes. Money doesn't make you, it only reveals you and Jesus Christ has the power to change us and make us into His image and His likeness. Can somebody say Amen. <laughs> With that said, I want us to dive in and we're gonna tie the breakthrough into praise today by titling this message birthing of a breakthrough. Matthew chapter 1 first 14 15 verses is one of those verses that I'm pretty sure that many of you you skipped through if you ever started. Matthew and typically we start Matthew every few months again and again and again because we get lost somewhere there um in the middle or at the end and so um the third verse holds a secret here for our service today and the third verse has three words has more words but we're going to highlight three words only and I want you to see this in Matthew 1 3 it says Judah begot Perez There's a whole story and a drama behind how that happened, but I'm not gonna go into that. The word Judah means praise, begot means he gave birth, and Perez means breakthrough. So let's just read in simple English. Praise gives birth to breakthrough. Amen. Amen. We're done. (laughs) We learned all that we need to learn. (laughs) Thank you Jesus. Now let's put it into practice. Praise gives birth breakthrough somebody say this with me say praise Praise gives birth 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 to breakthrough breakthrough. say it again praise Praise gives birth birth to to breakthrough amen let's look at practically how does that happen number one praise gives god a throne to sit on it says in the bible that god is enthroned in the praises of his people as we were seeing that this morning God inhabits the praises of his people meaning God's throne on earth is the praises of his people have you ever had a chair that somebody gave you that was missing one leg and when you sat on it you fell if somebody did that to you they were not nice how many people give God a chair that has missing legs way we invite God into our problem is not that we thank God for our problem, we thank God in our problem thus putting a chair where God can sit. Your praise, your thanksgiving, your gratitude in the midst of whatever you're going through is a chair God sits on and it's an invitation for him to come into your problem. One of the reasons breakthrough comes through praise is because breakthrough Praise, I'm sorry invites God into our situation and gives him a chair to sit on. Complaining on the other hand invites the demons to mess with us. Because complaining to the devil with worship is to God. If worship draws God complaining draws the demons and I can prove it to you. Because when Israel complained snakes came and bit him and snakes speaks of demons and the devil in the Bible when you complain and you whine whatever your reason for that is you're actually whistling and calling out the devils of depression, heaviness and discouragement to come and mess more with your life but when you worship you're calling out on God. God's angels begin to come and first thing God does is He sits on your praise. In the Old Testament priests were commanded to carry the ark of God on their shoulders and one time when David was bringing the ark back into Jerusalem he had the ark sit on the cart that the oxen carried. Who created that idea? Philistines. Philistines when they captured the ark they put the ark on the card and they delivered it back to Israel. They didn't know better and Israel instead of allowing the ark to sit on the shoulders of the priests they continued to perfect the methods of the Philistines and even David in his ignorance puts the ark on the cart and the oxen carry it and as oxen stumbled the ark started to slip and Uzzah came in to help the ark and God struck him and he fell and he died and David says I don't want to bring the ark back into my house if that's how strict God is but then David learned That the ark was not supposed to be carried on the card. It's supposed to be carried on the shoulders. And he brought the ark back with priests carrying the ark on the shoulders. And God's glory and blessing was upon him. God did not intend his praise to be on the worship team. But on your shoulders. Praise and worship is not the job of the worship team. It's the job of the priests and kings unto our God. And you are one of them. Come on, somebody. You want the demons not to sit here put the Holy Ghost here by putting praise because God says you prepare praise I'll sit on it because praise is the chair God sits on come on somebody come on let's put our hands together for Jesus Christ number two praise confuses the devil how does praise bring breakthrough because it invites God number two praise confuses the devil. It says in Judges chapter 7 when Gideon went up against Midianites, when 300 men blew the trumpets the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp and the army fled. We see in second chronicles a similar situation when they began to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amnon and so far and they were defeated. many cases in the Bible and I didn't include Joshua and Jericho but when you praise God, God causes the confusion of your enemy. When you don't praise God the enemy causes confusion in you. Many times people are defeated but before they're defeated they're confused and I'm gonna give you a secret of confusion. Problems automatically will confuse you but when you worship confusion leaves and it doesn't just evaporate. God sends the confusion to the devil. God says I'm not gonna waste this confusion. I'm not gonna just take it away. He says I'm gonna send it to the devil and devil unpacks the confusion and remember this before you get defeated you get confused and the devil gets confused. Why? Because then he gets defeated. It confuses the devil to see you worship especially when everything is pointing against you. Especially when you're supposed to be complaining because it's not natural and when he sees you worshiping, he's smelling Supernatural is coming because you're acting supernatural. You're acting not natural to your instincts already, not natural to your humanity And devil sees that if they're worshiping, he gets nervous because something supernatural is about to happen in your life I declare that in Jesus mighty name As you worship You're already saying, God, I'm stepping into the supernatural. Into the supernatural paying of my bills. Into the supernatural provision of my needs. I step into the supernatural connections in my life. God, I believe in the supernatural because I praise you. When you praise, you're saying, God, I'm ready for the supernatural. And the devil gets confused. I like to see the devil confused. How about you? Do you want to see the devil confused? Some of you who who bring heaviness, maybe you're... Full of anxiety and full of worry. Don't just ask God to take it away. Say, Lord, put it on the devil. Yeah. You got a headache? Say, Lord, don't take that away. Put it on the devil. Hey. Say, Lord, I pray, I'll praise you. Lord, I'll sing praises to your name if you give whatever I feel to all the demons around me within a 200 mile radius. Jesus. Woo. And then you see you have victory. You feel better. You see better. It's a scriptural thing. Instead of spirit of heaviness, God gives us a garment of praise. Heaviness belongs to the devil. That depression belongs to the devil. What belongs to us is a garment of praise and when we worship, when we praise, it messes up with the devil. It confuses him and God gives us the clarity of mind. Somebody say amen. 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 Number three, how breakthrough comes through praise. It enthrones God. God gives God a chair. It confuses our enemy. Therefore it defeats him. And number three, it protects our heart. Before breakthrough comes, sometimes there are delays. Sometimes there are seeming denies. Seems seems like we've got denied of that breakthrough. And when people worship and praise and they stop, their heart can get affected by what they're going through. But when you continue the attitude of worship and praise, something happens to your heart. It gets protected. Geico can save you 15% or more on your car insurance, but Jesus covers all 100 percent and saves you absolutely everything. He saves your heart from heartbreak. He saves your mind from being broken. He saves your emotions. He saves you from whatever you're going through. Are you with me? Titanic did not sink because there was a lot of water in the ocean. Titanic sunk because there was a lot of water in the in the Titanic. And sometimes we go through stuff and we have cracks and things get inside of us and we begin to sink emotionally. our heart begins to take its toll. even if God gets us out of that problem we are so shattered we can't enjoy the blessing because the process destroyed our heart. Because what we've been through, and God sent you the new husband, but because the old husband broke your heart so bad, you're making the new husband pay for the old husband, and you destroyed that relationship. God sent you the new job, but because the old boss messed you up, you don't trust anybody. So praise protects you while you're going through stuff. Come on, somebody. Praise protects you. Praise protects you. At midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and prisoners were listening to them. You know Paul couldn't stop the prison from being in prison. He couldn't change many things but he could control his attitude. He could control his reaction and what he decided to do is at midnight, this is 12 o'clock, he's tired, he's beaten, he lost a lot of blood. He's not pretty popular in that city right now because he helped a girl to be free from a demon of divination, a spirit of python and he is there and the Bible says Paul chooses to praise and sing hymns to God. Picks a hymn and starts to sing. He doesn't sing about how bad he feels. He sings about the goodness and the power of God and God begins to move. But I want you to see that when you sing, when you worship on your worst day, even if the breakthrough doesn't come right away, the big breakthrough happens is that you're protected. You shield and when you come out of that situation, you don't smell like that situation. You don't look like that situation. You are like the four Hebrew, uh, uh, the, the Hebrew, three Hebrew boys when they went to the furnace of fire and the Bible says there was no smell of fire. That's, uh, that's supernatural. Wow. When you can go to the fire and not smell like the fire. You don't have the smell. See some people go through divorce, they go through a heartbreak, they go through abuse but they speak, they post on Facebook, Instagram. They're constantly trying to get even with people, prove something to people. Why? Because they're, they're hurt yes they're no longer in that place but they drag that place into their life see the first time it happens you're a victim second time you're a volunteer god wants to separate your issue from your identity but he can do that when you praise him come on on, somebody he can do that when you worship the bible says we are like a palm tree the righteous people are like a palm tree palm trees have very beautiful characteristics that resemble christians One of those characteristics is during a storm a palm tree bends, it's flexible and therefore a storm cannot break a palm tree because the only thing the storm can do is bend it. I want you to see the palm tree doesn't go with the storm. When the storm comes in the palm tree doesn't unplug itself from the ground and says well I'm going with the storm. Whatever the storm is going, I'm going with the flow. Palm tree doesn't do that. See some of you you go with the flow. If the problems go that way that's where your mind goes your confession goes palm tree doesn't go with the flow it just bends when the storm comes in knowing the storms don't last long every storm in the bible every storm in the weather always ended and so will yours and once it ends you will go right back up if you were not broken the only trees that don't go right back up is if the storm broke them and the way storm breaks us is if the storm doesn't bend us During the storm. Maybe you can't stop the storm right now. Maybe your confession. Maybe your decision. There's nothing you can do about the storm Don't stand against it. Maybe bend Don't try to have your why is this happening to me stand in worship Job had a storm in his life worse than probably anybody in here will ever face Lost everything and the scripture says in Job is that Job arose He tore his robe. He shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. now then he complained. that's fine if you're complaining follows your worship. the problem is if you're complaining replaces your worship. the problem is if you're complaining is the only thing you have to God. God is okay with your hurt. God is okay with you letting all of that out to God but God says before we do that I have a protocol. You come into my presence with thanksgiving. You enter into my courts with praise. So before you get into complaining and whining and asking, let's bow and worship. And when you worship, I'll protect your heart. I'll protect your mind. I'll protect your family. I'll protect your finances. I will bless you. Come on somebody. Give God worship in this house right now. Yay! Yes Lord. with me my storm storm will end. end. said through praise praise, I'll be protected protected. in Jesus name take your seat. these storms they don't last but our heart gets protected when we worship. God protects it and lastly praise gives me new perspective. praise gives me new perspective. how does breakthrough come? breakthrough comes that I give God a room to sit on through my praise. Number two, through my praise, automatically, I might not feel it but I'm actually, the moment you're feeling better, you're not confused. Right away, I can tell you, what you felt before that is what the enemy is feeling right now. That confusion got shifted to someone else, to your enemy and that's what praise does. The thirdly is that praise, worship, it protects your heart and lastly, is that how breakthrough really manifests is that when you worship and when you praise God changes your perspective and God changes your attitude. God changes your attitude. I want you to see this attitude somebody says that attitude is an established way of responding to people and situations that we have learned based on our beliefs values and assumptions we hold. It's a frame of work. It's a frame of mind dealing with change, opportunities, failures, and problems. Somebody says that 10% of your life is how you make it. The rest of the 90 is how you take it. Yep. On, huh? Meaning, stuff will happen. And 10% probably is that you make that. The rest of the 90% somebody else did. Something else did. Question is, how are you taking it? There's one way of taking it which is through negativity. The other way is taking it through positivity. Yeah. And the goal is not to create positive vibes. The goal is to stay in the presence long enough where God's positive vibes affects you so much that you begin to have the same perspective on life as God does. Come on. Yeah. It's like a man who lost an arm in war and the doctor was stitching him up and says man sucks to be you, you lost an arm. He's a doctor, I gave it away. It's like somebody's coming to a man who has no legs and says, man, how can you be so positive having no legs? He says, I'm surprised. How can you be so negative having legs? Perspective. The same people have the same problem, but they take it differently. And because they take it differently, they attract different outcomes. Life is really about how you take things. Life is not just about how you make things and what happens in the presence of God is God's presence begins to elevate you to the place where you see problem from a different perspective. Kind of like in the airplane, when you fly in the airplane, you know in the airplane the higher it goes the smaller things become. The deeper you go with God the smaller your problems become. Then you come down from the depth with God and you deal with these problems like Jesus did. When he faced five thousand men, not women and children included, the Bible says that he took five loaves and two fish. He raised it to the Father and he said, "Lord, I'm in trouble. Father, bail me out. I don't know what to do." He didn't pray like that. The Bible says he gave thanks. How can you, in front of a big problem, give thanks on, when you have a new perspective? He gave thanks and God did a miracle. Yes. He faces the dead Lazarus and the Lazarus stinked. The Bible says. And Jesus is not standing and saying, Lord it's so bad I'm not sure what to do he says Lord I thank you that you hear me already and he after that begins to command Lazarus to come to life he has a different reaction because he has a different attitude and different attitude is always born out of a gratitude your gratitude adjusts your attitude and your attitude adjusts your altitude come on somebody your attitude is contagious Make sure your yours is worth catching. Mm, wow. Come on, that's good. Wow. Bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go very far with it. Very soon you get stuck. One of the reasons why many people's breakthrough is not coming is because their attitude, simplest things. It's simply not good. You listen to them for five, six, ten minutes, and you will find out. You say, Well, keep praying keep praying. I believe that when you ask God for a miracle, after a while, when you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, God gives you faith. Yes. And when he gives you faith, my conclusion is you stop praying for it and you start thanking God for it. Yes. Come on. Because when you keep thanking God for it, After you received faith. I'm not saying if you didn't receive faith. But if you receive faith. You know what? It's going to happen. This assurance that came from God. Substance of things hoped for. Assurance of things unseen. When you have that assurance. Stop praying for it. And start thanking for it. Say Lord I thank you. It's already happening even if it's been two years it's not happening say lord i received that two years ago and i'm thanking you that it's already happening abraham changed his name sarah changed their name and they changed their confession something about that has to change and if people remind you that you don't have the breakthrough if the devil reminds you you don't have the breakthrough if you remind you that you don't have the breakthrough then take all of those worries put them in a the microwave and put praise songs on it and transform them from worry to worship and then your faith will be intact Something happens to your perspective when you worship. It changes. You change the way you see your problem. You change the way you speak. You change the way you behave. You change everything about you. There was a man who had an old mule and had a dry well and he wanted to get rid of the old mule and the dry well. So he had a simple solution to put the old mule in the old well and cover the mule and the well with dirt. Kill the mule, get rid of the well. Simple solution. Men think very clear, simple took the mule out and dropped the mule in the well. Drops the mule there and the mule kind of realized that it's not going to be a good day for him. He realized he's not getting a shower and it's not a cakewalk, it's just going to be a bad day. And then the mule, his worst fears became real where the dirt started being thrown on his back. He had two options. One is to cry about the fact that he's old, he's not wanted. somebody wants to kill him. The second option was to get all the dirt he gets on his back, shake the dirt off and stand on it. And of course the mule stopped crying, shook the dirt off, stood on it. The more dirt they threw, well the more floor he had. The more dirt they threw, he shook it off and stood on it, shook it off and stood on it until they threw so much dirt that the mule walked off the well. Question is, when the devil throws bad things at you, Do you let them come inside of you or do you shake it off and stand on it? Shake it off and stand on it. Should your neighbor say, shake it off and stand on it? Should your neighbor say, you need to shake it off? That negativity, you need to shake it off. That thing that people said, you need to shake it up. If you're rehearsing those thoughts, you need to just shake it up and stand on it. And then you can walk out of whatever situation the devil puts you in. Because praise will give you new perspective. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Let's just lift those hands. Let's just lift those hands. And just right now, I want you to begin to create a throne for God to sit on. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGin. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.